which has been targeting cell senescence in animal trials and hopes to begin human drug trials next year. It's this influx of wealth that has brought novel anti-aging theories out of the scientific fringes and into gleaming Silicon Valley labs. DeGray notes that developing the means to make everyone live forever is not cheap. This foundation has a budget of somewhere around $4 million a year, not $4 billion, which is what it should be, DeGray says. He invested $13 million of his own money in SENS, the lion's share of the $16.5 million he inherited when his mother died. He says she earned her wealth through property investments. SENS has also been the beneficiary of PayPal co-founder Peter Thiel, perhaps Silicon Valley's best-known advocate for curing death. As Thiel told the Washington Post in 2015, I've always had this really strong sense that death was a terrible, terrible thing. I prefer to fight it. Immortality, it turns out, is not such an easy sell. Most people don't like the idea of living forever. In legends of old, as well as in recent popular culture, eluding death typically comes at a terrible cost. Like zombies or vampires, immortal beings must feast on the living. Perhaps a large percentage of today's population also subscribes to religious beliefs in which the afterlife is something to be welcomed. When the Pew Research Center asked Americans in 2013 whether they would use technologies that allowed them to live to 120 or beyond, 56% said no. Two-thirds of respondents believed that radically longer lifespans would strain natural resources and that these treatments would only ever be available to the wealthy. I asked DeGray about how the world would change, socioeconomically especially, if no one ever died. Would people still have children? If they did, how long would the planet be able to sustain billions of immortals? Would every norm predicated on our inevitable deaths break down, including all the world's religions? What would replace them? At what point might you decide that actually this is enough life? After decades? Centuries? And once you made that decision, how would you make your exit? I find it frustrating that people are so fixated on the longevity side effects, DeGray says, clearly irritated. And they're constantly thinking about how society would change in the context of everyone being 1,000 years old or whatever. The single thing that makes people's lives most miserable is chronic disease, staying sick and being sick. And I'm about alleviating suffering. To explain his vision, DeGray uses the analogy of a car that has its parts continually repaired. People receiving cell regeneration therapies would be able to constantly add more time to their lives whenever their bodies began to break down. We have a warranty period. It's true, he allows. But cars also have warranty periods, and yet we still have vintage cars because we know how to do comprehensive, regular preventative maintenance. DeGray spent several years after college working as a computer scientist in the field of artificial intelligence, which might explain why he likes to compare human bodies to machines. He has a Ph.D. in biology from Cambridge, but he received it for theoretical work rather than lab-based research. He often refers to himself as an engineer or a technologically focused biologist. I asked DeGray how a planet full of immortals would support itself. Would people want to work for eternity? He answers that automation will take over most jobs. We will be able to spend our lives doing things that we find fulfilling, and we won't have to worry about remuneration, he says. DeGray has been closely associated with transhumanism, a movement that believes technology will help the human race evolve far beyond its current limitations, but he dislikes the term, noting that it just scares people. DeGray has robust faith that humans will come up with some new way to distribute wealth that doesn't depend on being paid to do things we wouldn't otherwise do. The first step, he believes, is issuing a universal basic income. It's an idea that's shared by other Bay Area entrepreneurs, many of whom are in the business of developing automation technologies. 
Last year, Y Combinator, a highly successful startup incubator, gave 100 Oakland families between $1,000 and $2,000 a month in unconditional free income to find out how they'd spend it. The city of San Francisco recently announced plans to launch a similar pilot program. But these are small-scale experiments, and if robots do take over more jobs, it isn't clear whether our economic and political systems would reconfigure to support all unemployed people in time, least of all forever. And that 1,000-year-old person, he or she has already been born? Oh, absolutely, yeah, DeGray assures me. It's highly likely. In fact, the human body is not at all like a car, in the same way that the human brain is not like a computer. Such comparisons oversimplify the staggeringly complicated organic systems that researchers are only beginning to glimpse. The chaotic interactions between our trillions of cells and their enzymes are still poorly understood. We know almost nothing about why some people hit the genetic jackpot and live much longer and with much more vigor than others who have similar life circumstances. The question is all the more vexing because elderly...